With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And without further ado, my guest today is Kevin D. Miller. Kevin, of course, actually Miller Puchowski, if you think about it. And he wrote about that in his book, The Heart of Seal, about his grandfather Stanley. And, you know, you were talking about this on uh, the night that we had attacked the uh, embassy and then they attacked us. We actually connected that night about the response we should give back to Iran. Yeah. And you were telling me you were in the process of getting a screenwriter for your big book, and now it's finally yes. happened. Tell me about it. Yes, yes. No, we've been uh, we've been working on this. We've been working on converting um, Heart of Steel to Heart of Steel the movie. So in the process, um, my book was optioned with a uh, production company, and uh, a good friend of mine named Kevin Sizemore, a good actor, um, been in the business and been around the business quite a bit. Well, a good friend of his, uh, we kind of hit him up. His name's uh, Ty DeMartino. He's from, um, he's back in the D.C. area. He's from the West Virginia area. And he um, he's a uh, pretty big name uh, screenwriter. He's got a lot of awards. Um, he's also a, a screenwriter. He's written uh, plays and feature films. So we sent him the book and let him read the book and just say, hey, you know, you know, let us know what you think. And if you're on board with it, then let's go. Well, he he loved the book. And uh, he's he says he goes he goes, dude, he goes, I can't believe this is your first book. So hats off to you. And he goes. I think it's great, and I would love to write the screenplay. So, anyway, long story short, we um, worked out a deal, you know, for him to get started on the screenplay, and he's he's off and running and writing the screenplay. Probably take about three to five months to get that screenplay written. Well, it's been a little bit since you've been with us, so give us a refresher. Also, I know that you mentioned this is the hundredth anniversary of what went down in Youngstown, Ohio, right? Yes, this is going to be um, the 100-year the anniversary, um, more specifically on September 13th of uh, this year. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's actually uh, Warren. It's outside of Warren. There's the, the farm and the murder took place on a, a farm in uh, a small township called Southington, which is just outside of Warren, Ohio, uh, and close to Youngstown. Youngstown's up there, so, um, you know, it's all in the mix there, very uh, – very much in that area. So, yeah, 100 years, man. Unbelievable. Wow. And so on the 100th anniversary, I guess it's fitting that this is going to become a movie or start processing, right? Yeah, we're, we're in the process of and here Here's the, the thing, Alex, how it kind of works, because um, we're going to get the screenplay and we get the screenplay done. The beauty is we'll have a screenplay and a book to pitch to studios yep. and financers, you know, which it's which is gold. You know, it's, it, it's you like. 
Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Your your book was so well written. Are you writing the screenplay, or are you going to hand that off to Kevin and his? No, team? no, no. The screenwriter um, uh, Ty DeMartino is writing the screenplay. Okay. He, he's writing the screenplay from my book, and um, so he's you know he's going to convert that. Writing a screenplay is like a whole different skill set than mm-hmm. writing a book, and it's like I looked at it and I thought about doing it, and I'm like I don't know if I can do this. You know, but I, I mean, I could figure it out, but I just I, that's too much time involved. In, and you really want somebody with a name attached to that screenplay sure. when you start sure. pitching it, you know, because guys want to invest a million dollars or something. They want to see kind of a name on there. And, you know, so. well, I got to ask you this. So mm-hmm. Emma, Emma May is, is a blonde, right? That that's who she yep. was. Emma May. Actually, Emma May was a brunette. She brunette, she her okay. hair turned her hair turned white at a very young age. I mean, her the Irish in her, she had she had silver hair actually, turned white. Um, but yeah, when she was young, she was actually um, auburn had auburn color hair. Mm-hmm. And so, any actresses that you're thinking of that could be her in the role, as well as your grandfather, who are you thinking of for your yeah. grandfather? Well, right now, um, and I've got two roles filled, and 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 the reason is um, I've got two daughters who are. Uh, SAG actors, professional actors here in Hollywood that are just the right ages. So Emma May, I'm going to, um, I've kind of wrote that role with it with my daughter, Emily in mind. She just turned 18. Um, she's tall, she's thin, she's got the brunette hair and she's got the sassiness of Emma May. She's got the sarcasm and the sassiness of Emma May. My daughter, Gracie, who's 13, um, will play the role of Sophie, the um, sure. Stanley's, Stanley's older sister. You know, she's kind of has that heart. She's got that big heart, you know, that, uh, that, that Sophie has. So those two roles are set. Um, grand, my great grandfather or my grandfather, uh, we haven't decided yet. I and mean, we really like to get a named actor, a young, um, you know, actor who's got a name. It depends on the budget, you know, that, that kind of dictates sure. everything. If we get a big enough budget, you know, we can get a couple, you know, named actors in there, get a, you know, get a bigger director and that sort of thing. So, well, Kevin, I gotta be honest, it's it's great that you're tapping into the Hollywood scene to get this done. I mean, let's be honest, as a Trump supporter, I have to go there. Do you find that yeah. it, it would have been if you didn't have a connection? Do you find like it would have been harder because you're pro-Trump? To get oh. a Hollywood idea off. Of oh, this. oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's there's there's definitely a pretty strong uh, prejudice in Hollywood. Ho- Hollywood, being as liberal as it is, I mean, there's a lot of young actors who don't have the clout, you know, that kind of get blackballed. You know, you kind of it kind of treats them that way, which is a sad thing. You know, it's it it's, it's like what what happened to free speech? What happened to you know respecting people's opinions, whether you agree with them or not? But it happens. It happens all the time. So, uh, but being that you are now in with Hollywood, you're not afraid to keep your views going and, and publishing them, right? I, I, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I just, I'm, I've got to be true and I've got to be an example to my, my daughters, you know, that yeah. it's, it's, it's okay, man, to, to speak your mind and your beliefs and, and not be afraid, you know. Um, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to be a bad example to her by, by staying too quiet. I mean, you know, you kind of got to be a little political. You kind of got to know when, when and where to pick your fights and such. But, but most, most of the, the, I mean, most everybody is, is decent when you're working with them and nobody really talks politics on the set and stuff. You know, nobody's really interested in knowing who's what, and you just kind of avoid it a little bit if you're, 
in a situation where you're on set or whatever. You know, it's just not a, a you know, a, a something I jump into a big political conversation if I'm on set working or, or doing anything like that. But but I'm not afraid to express my opinion if I'm asked, you know. Well, let me ask you this. I've asked you this a little bit before, but maybe there's a different sure. view now watching the Democrats and Biden versus Sanders. Yeah. I mean, what would your grandfather say about this whole thing? What was his political leaning? My grandfather, um, in at a younger age, I mean, he was uh, he grew after he after the book, the time period in the book. There, he went into the 30s. He he was he was a union supporter. He was actually a union okay. muscle. So, and he ex- kind of explained that to like my father, you know, because my father and him used to kind of argue about the unions and stuff. Because my dad was okay. a business owner, and you know, he had some you know, uh, heartburn with, with unions and stuff. But my grandfather sure. explained to him, he said, it's, it was a different era. There, there was a different time when he was fighting for the unions, you know, you couldn't get up and go to the bathroom. They were literally sweatshops and, mm-hmm. and kids. And, and, and the unions at that time were necessary to, you know, Absolutely. to make the workplace a safe place and a fair place to work. So I, I think in his younger days, he probably leaned more democratic, but more conservative, probably a, more of right. like a blue dog Democrat. Blue and, collar. And I think, exactly. Yeah, blue collar. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I think that's changed as he got older, you know, a little bit. But he didn't he didn't really express his political opinions a lot, you know, mm-hmm. at, at, that when, as, when I was a kid and, and talking to him and stuff. He didn't really talk too much about that. It's interesting. Unions kind of are split. Like Trump had yeah. some in his back pocket because yep. he's been a businessman. But a lot of unions also don't like them. So it's a very interesting yep. mix we're seeing reaction-wise. Right. And, right. you know, yeah. I I just think today's unions, though, are not what we were – they were made for. They were – they become less of a let's prevent a triangle shirtwaist factory disaster from happening to yep. more of a, hey, how can we get political control right. and get yep. into the – you know, Washington? And that's kind of where I sour on the unions. Absolutely. Right not the members. The members yep. are good people. I just think uh, – some of them may not want to pay dues if they have to be political about it. It's, you know? it's changed. Yeah, no, it's changed. It's, it's definitely changed, Doc. You're, you're right on with that. I mean, it's it's not what the unions originally were and were for. They've, they've um, you know, kind of changed or evolved over the years into something else, you know, like like, like so many institutions do, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know you were also in the military, so – and by the way, Kevin D. Miller, talking with him, he's the author of Heart of Steel about his grandfather, Stanley Puchowski. And I just love that you had no idea until later in life that you were Puchowski. That's a very fascinating story in and of itself. Um, yeah, no, it was incredible to find out. We were shocked, you know, to, to learn that our last name, my last name is really not Miller, you know, to just wake up one day and find out it's a very Polish name, very Polish Puchowski. Um, and it took me a while to, to pronounce that correctly, Alex. I, I had I had to actually consult um, some of the Polish uh, Facebook groups that I joined to say, hey, please tell me how to pronounce this correctly, because I was pronouncing it Puchalski or Pukalski, and they said the C is silent. It's Puchalski. So, OK, so I, I've had to, you know, kind of train myself to remember the C was silent and, and, and do that. But anyway, it, it was an interesting to, to learn that your name is that. And it was kind of shocking to find out. And I just wanted to know why, which is why I writ, wrote the book. Mm-hmm. And how is the book, aside from the screenplay, how is the book going? Because I know it just released 
in what November I think we talked the first time. So. Yeah, it. Um, I actually released it in August 10th of uh, last year on Amazon. I, I did release it in November on Barnes and Noble, and it's been doing well. Uh, we're getting good sales. You know, it's getting good press. You know, I've talked uh, quite a bit on talk radio and 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 Channel 8 uh, morning TV in, in uh, San Diego. Right. Um, and a couple places. Yeah, it's getting good. Um, I actually talked to uh, Donna Fiducia. It used to be on Fox News. Her and her sure. husband, uh, and and they had a great. They're ordinary. They're they're really funny, and and we had a good conversation um, with them and stuff. So it's getting a lot of attention. It's selling, you know, very well. Um, and so I'm pretty happy with it so far. So far, so and good. And did I see something like the there was a newsletter in Youngston, Ohio, or a newspaper that covered it? Yeah, yeah. Well? Yeah, there was an there was a um, an author that contacted me and asked to do uh, an article on on uh, in Youngstown. So, cool. so yeah, and Youngstown for some reason seems to, a lot of people in Youngstown are buying my book. It's it's a hot. I mean, Ohio in itself is a real good target market, but for some sure. some reason Youngstown is just buying lots of books. Well, because it's their town, and I think they want to know the history of the town. You know, I, another big thing is with the ancestry and the DNA and everything. Everybody now wants to know right. maybe not just more than just their family identity what the right. identity of the town was back then and, right. and maybe what it was like and mm-hmm. and i think the fact that you've highlighted that town uh i don't know how many people reside in it but i'm sure to the hundreds there it's it's resonating with them yeah no it definitely resonates with them i mean that area of the country is a place we will go market as well and when we start getting yeah. closer to getting production for the movie i mean we will go back there and and really market it up and, and build it up, you know, in the right. in the Ohio, West Virginia, you know, all that area back there. And even your grandfather was in Chicago for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. When he um when he ran away from the orphanage, he hopped a train and he ended up in Chicago and working in a steel mill in there and just trying to save money and the then Polish got this guy as well, a Polish family actually. Yeah, yeah, he had help. I mean, he had help when he was there, and and uh, they kind of took him in, and and then kind of got him into some bootlegging to kind of make some extra money. And he, he was just willing to do whatever it took to get enough money to go back and and rescue his siblings and I, take care I, of. Them. It's funny. I was just thinking about the um, the prohibition area because now yeah. here in New York we've just banned plastic bags, and I'm just waiting for like. Yeah. The speakeasies of plastic bags, you know. There you go, exactly, man. Here yeah. in New York, so I just, I just think about that era, because yeah. uh, all the shops around here are no longer having plastic bags, and it's like, oh my god, I don't know. It's like they care less about people's safety and more about that, and that's yeah. just frustrating. Anyway, no, insane. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, so you have this thing, and then you're still being political. So I want to ask you about Super Tuesday. Did sure. did anybody know up until you know outlets are reporting it? Not the mainstream outlets, by the right, way. Right. But did anybody really know that Trump did three, four times better than his president? You know, previous incumbents. This is incredible what he did on Super Tuesday. Yeah. No, it, it is. It's incredible, and no, it doesn't get reported. Just like everything else that he's done doesn't get reported. I mean, that's that's the strategy, you know, the, the liberal media and stuff. They they don't want to, you know, tell everybody what's actually happening because they'll, you know, you know, people are gonna right. are gonna want to reelect him, and, and they already do because people already know whether they're telling them or not. You know, people know. You know, they just. Uh, but yeah, I can't believe that they wouldn't, you know, well, report that. And you were in the military. Are your friends that you have in the military still? Are they still pro-Trump, or what is what's the reaction like in that circle? 
Uh, there's most of them. I would say most of them are more lean, more conservative and to the right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's always the, you know, folks that are, you know, right. are raised Democrat and that's how they were raised and that's how they believe. And, and that's okay. Like I said, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm good with people's beliefs. I don't have to agree with you to respect your opinion, you know, sure. but I expect the same in return. That's the, that's kind of the heartburn I have with folks, but yeah, most of the military's, um, supports the president. And we've seen that in videos where we go out to like the mm-hmm. Army Navy game and even yep. the college football games, all these military, oh, yeah. you know, themed games. I mean, there's yep. no doubt the South really honors the military at these mm-hmm. games and they honor him when he walks in there. Yes. It's really, it's yeah. fascinating to watch and it, it's more on the ground video that people have to see because mm-hmm. when they don't see that, then they think Trump is what the media tells them they are. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's all they listen to. And that's, that's kind of always my point, Alex. It's like when I get in discussion with somebody, I'm like, I don't want to hear, you know, you repeat what you heard on the news on CNN. Right. Or I said, tell me what you think, you know, go do the research yourself and then let's come back and have a conversation. Get the and facts. Is there a percentage of change that you would say might people actually do do that and then change their opinion of them? Or I think sometimes there's a few. Not everybody. Some people are so set in their ways that they don't yeah. care what you say. They don't. There's nothing you can say, you know, that's going to change their mind or convince them. And, and that's sad because we learn by listening to others, you know. And I don't claim, you know, all, that all my opinions and stuff are right. I mean, I may be wrong on something, and someone, you know, that really takes the time to learn the subject and can maybe convince me of, you know, to think a different way, you know, that's how we learn, you know, that's how, and I always believe that's how our, our nation was built on debating, not what we're seeing now, but literal debate and debate. Right. And they wouldn't scream over each other. They'd actually hear each other out. And then we formed a country that way. (laughs) You know, that's how, how it was made. But I've got to ask you, because it's in the back of my mind. So you're in the military and you really wanted to honor your grandfather while there, right? Like you felt his presence while you were in the military, right? Yeah, no, I, I did. I did. And I visited him. The last time I saw my grandfather was when I was in the uh, the Air Force. And I was actually at a class um, at Wright-Patterson, Ohio. And, he fl- and on the weekend, he flew me up there. He bought my airplane ticket up to the cabin where he, he is uh, outside of Canton. And I spent that last weekend with him, you know, and, and he had he I did not know he had cancer at the time because he didn't complain, didn't say a word. He, and that's the kind of man he was. He wanted to hear about you. He'd sit there, Alex, and he would say, you know, Alex, tell me about your life, man. What are you doing? You know, what's going on? He wanted to know about you. He didn't want to talk about himself, you know, and he and, truly. Mm-hmm. And that's a very big part of the book because yeah. you were you would go back to how he would say, you know, he told he told your uh, what aunts and uncles? Because yeah. there's brothers and sisters. His brothers and sisters. Let's not ever talk about this. So he yes. was very big about not looking inside, but just focusing yes. some externally, right? Right. He was. I mean, it, and in that that era, I mean, it's the 1920s. I mean, you kind of protected your family. You know, you kind of looked out for each other, and didn't allow you know the world to come in and, and judge. You know, every family has mistakes, and every family has you know uh, drama and such, but. You kind of in those days, you kind of protected that, you know, and and he that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Well, and when we when we first talked, you were very much when I asked you like, hey, what was it like talking about the story after you knew he didn't want to talk about it? Yeah, you were you did say you were a bit hesitant to do it, but I would yeah. have to say with the growth you've seen the book make into a screenplay, I have to believe that that 
doubt or that hesitance has gone away because you're feeling now that you were meant to do this, right? And to write this book. I, I do. I think I think it's uh, affected and touched enough lives that I, I feel that it kind of confirmed what I was the reason that I actually wrote it. Uh, I, you know, I just felt I owed it to the man to tell his story because he wouldn't tell his own story, and and to honor him, you know. And I think it's touched people and it's inspired people, and and that's my reward, really. And this is a man, by the way, who wrote, who told your uncle, uh, your dad's brother. Don't ever ask me about my life. Yes. Um, Yeah, when he was on his deathbed, um, my uncle, my dad's younger brother, he's like, Pops, tell me about your life, you know, and he just raised a finger and just said, don't ever ask me about my life. And that's all he would say. And he took that. He took all those secrets to the grave with him. And uh, it took us a long time to find him out, to find out why. Well, and I just think the reason why is, he wanted to protect his family up until yeah. the end, obviously. Yeah. But also, I it, it just seems like there was a pride he had in the work, and he didn't want – maybe he just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly. And he wanted to focus on, on family and taking care of his family, and that's that's what he did, and working hard and, 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 and all the positive things and, and just you know not focus on the negative and just protect his – his family and his family name. Mm-hmm. And you have a family. I see all over Instagram doing big things oh, and yeah. good things. Um, uh, your dad, he actually was very part in the beginning of the book. You actually, he wrote about this. It's like your forward, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So what's he thinking about having his dad about to be on the big screen? What's he thinking? He actually, uh, I think he's loving it, Alex. I think he's loving every bit of this. I mean, you know, when I was able to hand him a copy of the book and autograph, he, I mean, he could, he, he'll tell everybody, he don't care, you know, if you listen or not, I mean, he's telling everybody about the story about his dad. I think he's very proud and he's very thrilled and he's thrilled, you know, that the movie, you know, is coming out and he's like, I just want to live long enough to see the movie. He's going to be 87 years old next week, 87 on March 12th. He'll be, uh, yeah. So he's alive, like, he's, he's in good shape too, Alex. Yeah, I mean, he's I'm I, he's going to be around because he's his mind is all there and he's in great shape. And uh, you know, for 87 years old, man, I mean, he's he's healthier than a lot of 60 year olds I've seen. So and that's something. And yeah. I guess that's just a generation thing. I don't know, but yeah. when they're born in the 40s, 30s, they have this will about them to keep going no matter what they're dealt with <laughs> exactly yeah so. it kind of kind of passes down you know so i'm glad to hear that he's he's excited about this and what about your kids and, and family what are they thinking as they're about to get this on the big screen with I, you? I think they're excited i think uh you know i mean my daughters are all uh, obviously very excited because they're going to get to play roles you okay. know in this in this film and, and play their relatives which is kind of cool and to have them acting together but all the siblings, I think, are excited. I mean, everybody's, you know, real excited about the story and, and, the, and the prospect of the movie. And, you know, my little grandkids are like, oh, Grandpa, can I have a part in the movie? You know, what part do I get? You know, and I'm like, well, you know, we got to we have an orphanage. You know, we got a lot of room. We're going to need a lot of kids, you know, for that. And and they and they're excited because they're they're little. But they're like, how's the book going, Grandpa? You know, and they brag to their friends, my grandpa's an author. And and it's just really, it's really cool, man. I got to eat lunch with, uh, yeah, with three of my grandkids. I went to school and that's, they introduced me to their friends and they're very excited about it. 
you say it's about to be a marathon? What what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean it's kind of it's kind of a marathon because it's it you don't know how much time it's going to take to actually um, pitch it and 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 get somebody you know ready to uh, you know fund it. We we might find somebody who's ready to, to be in on it, but it may take time to put the funds together and there's a lot of stuff involved there to get it greenlit. They call it uh, you know green lighting the project because that's what you want to hear. You want you want to hear them say it's greenlit because then you know production's about to start. So it could take a couple years. I mean, it's it's you know it's hard to say. It's hard to say how you know how fast we can get this going. So well, if there was an an outlet that we can contribute to or our listeners can, what would that be? Is there is there like a a, a donate button now on the Heart of Steel website or how can people? There's not currently. Um, we haven't doing that currently, but um, we're we're just you know we'll be looking for an investor or a studio who will be interested in uh, giving us a budget to start production and start filming. You know, so if there's anybody out there and your listeners that's a that's a you know a, a production studio or an investor that wants to invest in a good story and make a a, a good movie. You know, just uh, contact me, contact us and. Love to hear from you, but um, but that's the next step. You know, after the screenplay's in place, we'll take the screenplay in the book and we'll start pitching it out and see what kind of interest we get and see where it goes from there. You know, we'll find somebody eventually. Somebody will come along because it's it's a good story. It's going to be a good screenplay. So we're very confident someone's going to come along and and want to work with us. So Kevin, uh, really quickly, so the website that we can go to is it is heartofsteelbook.com. Alex, it's got um, it's got all my social media up there. It's got links to Amazon and Barnes and Noble to buy the book in ebook or paperback. And there's a lot of information, extra information on there about the story as well, pictures and all kinds of stuff that way, some videos. So it's heartofsteelbook.com. And uh, I want to ask you this because obviously, before we wrap up, it's a looming thing. We just declared state of emergency here in New York. Uh, but from a military aspect, what can we do to truly stop the spread of coronavirus? What are you guys trying to do uh, when it comes to diseases and sicknesses and something as extreme as this? In the military, well, they'll definitely, you know, just enforce good, you know, good sanitary habits. Like like they've been saying on the news a lot, washing your hands thoroughly with soap and water. Try not to touch your face. Don't share food or drinks or anything. And um, so just basic common sense, the same as, as civilians would do. Um, and just a comment, it's like, you know, this coronavirus, it's, it's a bad virus, but there's been much worse. The swine, that's you know, the SARS, there, there's been many worse. And I think the media just is really kind of blowing this out of proportion. I think they're scaring people because the, the number of deaths, I mean, there's probably more cases of coronavirus than is being reported, which would put the number of deaths at a lower percentage. And then the people who are getting sick and dying from this are, are in, in their 80s, typically, right. and they have respiratory problems and, you know, well, and like any flu. We have to remember that this is not this is not something that people are quarantined, you know, at the Empire State Building. They're literally separated from us. So we shouldn't be afraid. People need to stop being afraid. And that's the thing. And that's one of the things the media loves to do is to create fear, you know, and let's and make it and politicize, you know, something like this, which is sad um, because it's you know, like I said, it's a bad flu, you know, but there's a lot of bad flus out there and, and people die of the flu all the time as well, too. Just the, the normal flu viruses. 
And they're usually older people and older people who have, you know, suffer from COPD or other respiratory problems are ones really having difficulty with this coronavirus. So I would say don't panic. Don't panic. If you get sick and you're healthy, just, yeah, quarantine yourself, stay home, you know, have good practices, keep your house sanitary and such, and you'll be fine. You know, if, you, if you're a person who has respiratory problems, you know, you just get to the hospital, get to the get to a doc, see a doctor and, you know, and uh, if, if you need to be quarantined, if you test positive, then, you know, you got you're in a good place. You're in a hospital. They're going to you know right. take care of you. That's right. Well, uh, Kevin and Prince, and may God bless your father during this. I mean, we don't want anybody sick by it anyway, so just keep praying for everybody out there anyhow. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin, thanks so much for doing this and joining me today on the Sunday Pod, and we will catch up very, very soon. I I always enjoy our conversations, Alex, and I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Thank you so much. You got it. I'm Alex Garrett. This is the Sunday Pod. We'll talk to you soon.